Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. But this season, the ladies really woke up the activist in me. What is going on? Yeah, what you doing over there? <laughs> I just realized I've been recording with gum and I feel like it's causing a problem. I'm like getting my inspirational speech. And I know. Jessica's it's like just burp, burp, ripping, burp, ripping burp. paper. And like, <laughs> yeah, because I, I wanted to throw out my gum. I'm sorry. But I'm not okay. talking, so John will be able to mute all of this. It hurts my zen. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, my peoples. Welcome back to another episode of She Builds Podcast, where we typically share the untold stories of historical women in the building and construction industry. I'm Jessica Rogers, waiting on the cicada infestation out of Washington, D.C. I'm Nerdiri Rivas, not looking forward to the genetically modified mosquitoes that may be coming soon in Houston, Texas. Wait, but didn't you say that already, Nerdiri? No, but now it's for real. Like it's it's here. They've released them in Florida, Jessica. What? So what would be a mosquito bite from a genetically modified mosquito? Would I become like it, spider it woman, happen. like mosquito woman? <laughs> yeah, the idea. So the genetically modified mosquitoes are male. And the uh, idea is that when they breed with the female, they kill her. So she's not she's not giving more mosquitoes. She's not biting us because she wants blood for her babies. Oh, uh, it's like the opposite of honeybees where the males have sex with the queen and then their penises fall off and they die. Yeah. This time the lady's going to die. Honeybees are real feminists, yo. They're serious. <sighs> Mosquitoes, not so much. Yeah, clearly. Not the genetically <sighs> modified ones. No. Mm-mm. Anyway, so that's that. <laughs> where are you, so Lizzie? So who are you, Lizzie? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the strange unintroduced voice. Uh, <laughs> I'm Lizzie Rar, not dealing with any bugs, but dreading Carl the Fog's arrival this summer in San Francisco. <laughs> well, here we are at the end of another great season, you guys. We made Woo! it to episode 30. Woo! 30 and flirty. 30 and thriving. Yeah. 
So like at the end of every season, we want to end with our wrap up or reflection, if you will, and share what we've learned throughout this journey. But before we do that, let's talk about where I am today, which for the first time is not my closet. What? Yeah. I'm recording out of the She Space podcast room. She Space is a workspace for women, but it's really so much more than that. They have offices and meeting rooms for rent, and they also host workshops and networking events. It's a place where women find community and amplify ambition. Very nice. Very nice. But uh, Najri, you have a stronger tie to this space, don't you know? Yes. I was the architectural designer with eStudio Architecture on this project. So to be sitting here in a space that I designed with a mission that I strongly believe in, it's really powerful. If you guys come to Houston, you need to add She Space to your Arc Venture list. Yeah. Ugh, it's so great to see your project come to life and actually be built. And it's super cool that you get to actually use it. In residential architecture, I never get to actually use my projects. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should Airbnb one of those. I guess if the client decides to put their brand new house on Airbnb, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. be on the lookout for that. I'll, I'll keep an eye. Well... The owners, Stephanie and Katie Suru, are super she-builders. They hired an all-woman AEC team. The architecture and engineering team, all women. The interior design firm, Creative Tonic, owned by the super talented Courtney Tartelias. Look them up. They're really colorful. And even the GC team, led by Teresa Turnbow with J Stone Construction. I learned so much from Courtney and Teresa. I could go on and on, so I'll just stop right now. And say thank you, Stephanie, Katie, Courtney, Teresa. She space is truly amazing. It sounds like a bunch of future karyotid alerts. <laughs> From what I can remember, hearing you talk about this project was Stephanie Sudo. Actually, it was her that kind of gave us the kick in the pants that we needed. Right, Nujiti? Right. She was like, girl, you've been talking about making a podcast. When are you going to do it? Can it start next month? And then I called you guys and was like, ladies, we got to get this show on the road. And then we did. Yeah, I remember you saying, so can we launch in August? And it was July. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are wrapping up our third season. Lizzie, Nerjiti, what was most exciting for you both about this season? So for me, I was really excited to talk about women who are not architects, but had an influence on architecture or the built environment in some way. And I was excited to see what ladies we would find. And I really enjoyed that we found women from various professions and a lot of people who influenced building codes and various laws in the U.S. Yes, this season was a total surprise. I think the most exciting thing for me was all the activism. I didn't see it coming at all. It feels like the second theme of the season was activism. These ladies were literally building the change they wanted to see in the world in every way. Every season, every lady inspires me, but this season, the ladies really woke up the activist in me. I got to put my actions where my words are. And we're kind of doing that, right? This podcast is our form of activism, but I've been wondering what more could we be doing? Uh, yes, Nerjuri. The impact. The impact. It was so inspiring. The changes that they were able to create in their lifetime still impact our lives today. I definitely think that we're doing a part little by little. So what are some topics or moments that stood out to you this season? Oh man, everything. Can I say everything? No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
this season was less dramatic than season two, but also dramatic in a different way. Actually, this season, it feels like the ladies were competing for Overachiever of the Century Award, like for real. <laughs> Every season, all the ladies do a lot, but this season was out of control. That is so true. It always felt like we were just sitting there listing all the organizations, committees, laws that they helped start. And I also really liked how a lot of these ladies were connected or overlapped with each other in some way. I think that was super fun to find out. And we didn't realize that until we started researching a lot of them. And we even rearranged the order of our episodes a few times because of who was connected to who and who came first and whatnot. Yeah, actually. So for some behind the scenes secrets, listeners, before every season, we each find three ladies and do our research and begin recording. But this season, we noticed that pattern. Our ladies did overlap. Some even knew each other, like Jane Jacobs and Catherine Bauer. There was a timeline of how the majority of our women were interconnected. And I think that lends itself to the fact that our ladies were just so active in their activism to say the least. Yeah, Catherine Bauer, like, OMG! She really was everywhere. I think if Catherine was alive today, she would be one of those people that are everywhere. All the social media outlets, all the lectures, the presidential dinners, everything, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I mean, some of these ladies had their own share of drama. What stood out to me was their place in history. So back in season one, it was the wars that kind of placed the ladies in the time. But this season, we talked a bit about the Great Depression and how these women aided in helping in things like policies and the New Deal. Then it became the discussion of McCarthyism and a couple of our ladies were accused of being communists. Oh, so true, Jessica. Good points. OK, let's talk about favorite episodes. You know the rules. You got to pick one lady that you didn't host. Let's start with Lizzie this time. All right. So I really liked learning about Florence Nightingale. I had no idea how much she influenced hospital design. I always knew her as this famous nurse who had done a lot for that profession. So it was super cool to hear that she had done so much for architecture as well as nursing. Oh, now that you mentioned Florence, I want to add something to her story. I talked about Florence poo-pooing large hospitals, and if she came to Houston and saw the Memorial City Hospital, she would totally faint. Well, we received a listener comment from Sarah Shumbera that a better example of a large hospital complex in Houston is the Texas Medical Center, the world's largest medical complex. It's about the size of Manhattan, you guys. What? And Whoa. it treats 10 million patients a year. It's crazy. Uh, what? Also, medical planners give it two thumbs up, five stars on all the medical blogs. So, yeah, arg venture for all you listeners. It better be two thumbs up, five stars if it's that big. It's got to work. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's critics, but well, still. But that does sound like a good arc venture. Yeah. What about you, Jessica? Which episode did you like? Oh, this is hard. I liked Florence, too. And I liked the conversations that started on social media. I liked our mini debate with Catherine Bauer versus Jane Jacobs. But I think I liked Emily the most. She really had her Christina Yang moment and was a part of such an iconic project. Plus, she got her praises while she was alive. Norjidi, what about you? For me, it's really a tie between Francis and Emily. 
I loved how Frances tied most of the ladies together throughout the story and all of the amazing things she achieved. And the woman started building codes, for goodness sake. And Emily, her story was such a roller coaster of tragedies, kind of like Jane Addams, now that I think about it. But Emily powered through everything and took all the men to school all the time and had a super iconic project under her belt. Just truly wow. Yes, I really liked Frances, too. It was a tough choice between her and Florence for me. Oh, speaking of Frances, after we discussed her story, I started wondering if the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire was the tragedy that started International Women's Day. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, the story behind Women's Day is actually really sad. In 1857, about 40,000 women went on strike at the factory in New York. The factory owner told the police to lock them up in the factory to stop the rebellion, like to teach them a lesson, you know? And then a fire broke out and it was hard for the women to escape. More than 120 women were killed. What? That's the start? Yeah. I need to see if those two were related. From what I found, they weren't really connected. It was just a coincidence because fire codes didn't really exist yet, you know? Speaking of fire codes not existing, you know how I'm studying for the ARES? And in my study material, yeah. And in my study material, they mentioned this tragedy as an example of the importance of codes. The building didn't have sprinklers, stairs had doors that opened inward instead of in the direction of egress, and the workroom was overcrowded. And I was like, yeah, because they were basically being held hostage in there. So, Mm. yeah, way to gloss over the history of what was actually happening, study material. You know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) So not only do they not teach us these things in school, or at least they don't teach us properly, like the things that you mentioned, but they're not even in our study materials. Exactly. Yeah, so they just glossed over the fact that they were locked inside, and that's why it was overcrowded. Sounds like revisionist history for that study material. Maybe they thought they just couldn't share so much tragedy, since studying is so hard already. They didn't want to make you more sad already. (laughs) My gosh. They don't want to make you sad and stressed out. Exactly. That's Mm, what it was. Maybe. Well, anyway, then, years after the fire happened, people started observing the day to commemorate the women who died. And throughout the years, now it has turned into a day we celebrate women. I had no idea that that's how International Women's Day got started. Yeah, I actually have a friend that refuses to congratulate ladies on the day because he says that that's not what the day is really about. But I think that we could do both. We could commemorate the ladies that we lost and we could also empower each other and set out to do great things. What do you think? I mean, I have also read that now people also use this as a day to celebrate women entrepreneurs too. And I would like to think of that day as a way to honor women and their accomplishments, but also respecting everything that women have gone through in the past and encourage women that they can do great things for the future, you know, keeping it positive. Yeah, that's true. I don't think it's bad that it's become something positive, but I do think it would be nice if it was more widely known that it's also a day of remembering what women have endured in the past and what they've sacrificed. True. So speaking of Frances, I got pretty far in the book that I mentioned in her episode. As a reminder to the audience, I'm referring to the book called 
The Women Behind the New Deal, The Life of Francis Perkins, FDR's Secretary of Labor and His Moral Conscious by Kristen Downey. Um, okay, so this book, wow. If you think her fight just to get to be the Secretary of Labor was rough, it becomes so much more. Dealing with men in politics, the way things had to change because she was a woman, how she was able to conform but still stand out and make change. It reminds me a lot about architecture, actually. How so? Well, it's not a boys club anymore. Now there are more women architects. When we are in a room, we're not the secretary or assistant. Men can't make that assumption anymore. Women also deal with motherhood, which doesn't get talked about enough or at all. How women navigate motherhood while being in this profession. Well, actually, any profession, really. And then to not only persevere, but succeed more than men. Frances Perkins maintained her house in New York, managed to pay for her husband's medical stays while he had his mental episodes, paid for her daughter's schooling, and paid for her daughter's hospital stay while she had her mental episodes. All while also living in D.C., where she had to share a house with a roommate just to save money so that she can provide all of those things for her family. It's crazy to think about everything that used to be so normal and everything all these ladies had to go through so we could be here today. Like Catherine having to laugh at stupid blonde with brunette idea jokes. Oof, yeah. (laughs) Actually, I found it really interesting that Catherine became the first woman appointed to the faculty at Harvard's Graduate School of Design while she was pregnant. Like, that sounds huge. I mean, can you imagine the bullcrap she had to put up with? Oof, yeah. Yeah, like people probably saying that she was being careless or not caring for her child. Yeah, exactly. Or much, much worse. And then to think about all the work that they're still left to do, it's exhausting sometimes to think about it. Yeah, it really is. These ladies really paved the way for us not to have to deal with that kind of thing, or I guess to deal with it in a lesser degree. And so that it was more normalized for us to be in these professions, which I'm super appreciative of. Also, Francis was keeping a lot of balls in the air, it sounds like. I can't imagine all of that. And that book is still sounding really great, Jessica. I need to find it for sure. Yes. Yeah, these are all really important conversations to have. But I feel like I brought down our energy with my sad fire tragedy story. Someone please provide a pick me up. I got you. All right. So a couple of weeks ago, my roommate and I were watching one of my favorite movies. Dirty Dancing. Do you guys remember how the main character is called Baby? Yep. Nobody puts Baby in a corner. That's right. All right. So in the movie, Johnny, Patrick Swayze, he asks Baby what her real name is. And she says, Francis, for the first woman in the cabinet. (gasps) Oh, snap. There you go. Right? I was freaking out because I had never realized or made the connection in the probably thousand times that I've watched this movie. And I was so excited. And I was telling my roommate, Francis, we're doing an episode about her. Yeah, Francis and pop culture. Love the nod the movie gave her. I can't imagine you screaming at the TV. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frances is literally in everything and everywhere. Now she's mentioned in movies with Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Okay, so now for our little game. Jessica, who would you take to a fight? Who would you have brunch with? 
And who would you go to a museum with? Dorothy May, Jane Jacobs, or Francis? Oh, what a great mm. question. I love all those activities. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Taking to a fight? Yeah, you know how much I fight. <laughs> I love all those activities. <laughs> I like fighting, brunching, and museum. Yep. Um, okay, so Jane is scrappy, you know? And she made grown men cry. So she obviously could win in a fight, and I would want her in my corner. Um, Dorothy May, she started her whole thing with a book club. I feel like her and her gal pals would make great brunch companions. Mm, and true. obviously, I have to choose Frances for the museum trip because the National Mall is right next door to us in D.C. She could probably pull some strings and get a backstage tour for us. And another thing that I found out while reading the book was that Frances's daughter was an artist. She can tag along and we would just talk about art and stuff. Fun times all around. Oh, yeah. I would make the same picks as you, Jessica. Yeah, those are very yeah. good decisions. Right? All right. Nerdity, it's your turn. If you could start a reality TV show with Florence, Jane, or Catherine, who would you choose and why? Hmm. I would pick my girl, Catherine. Just because I genuinely liked her the best. And I imagine it would be about us getting into all sorts of peaceful protests, shaking and baking in Congress, molding minds at colleges, and then making it home in time for dinner, cooked by our husbands, because we only have time to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cool. But also, okay, a show with Florence would be like real life Grey's Anatomy. Just saying. Ooh, yes. Or that show Morocco in Times of Love and War or Tiempos de Guerra on Netflix. It's about wartime nurses from Spain going to Morocco to set up a field hospital. Very Florence. You should check it out. OK, I'll put it on my list. Now, Lizzie, out of Jane Addams, Margaret or Emily, who would you take on an adventure to the moon? And think about it because you're going to have to spend a lot of time with this person. Mm hmm. I think I got to go with Emily. I think it would be handy to have a structural engineer with me to help build a moon colony and to build bridges over those big craters they got over there. Hmm. I wonder if she would bring her stuffed chicken. No, rooster. Yeah, rooster. <laughs> Wasn't Emily also a lawyer? She would be able to build things and serve as a general counsel. That's a good choice, Lizzie. Oh, yeah, she was. She'd be helpful in multiple ways to start our moon colony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else we want to bring up from moments throughout the season? Actually, I have a correction to make for episode 28, Frances Perkins, on our karyotid. I misspoke about Mayor Asia Brown. She didn't graduate from University of California, but the University of Southern California. It's listed correctly on our show notes, but not in our recording. My mistake. Go Trojans. Go USC. Also... I wanted to point out another thing that stood out to me this season. Our listener suggestions. I think this season we probably had the most listener suggestions. We had listeners suggest people for episodes and karyotids, which I enjoyed because for the most part, the listeners of our show also follow us on social media, which brought on some interesting conversations, which makes my little social media obsessed heart so happy. <laughs> yes, we love having listeners suggest ladies to do or karyotids. So that was really fun to be able to research those ladies and give shout outs to listeners who had suggested them. Yes, I love doing that. Listeners, give us, give us more, give us more. <laughs> also, international listeners out there, please share some ladies from your homes. Yes. I want to branch out more and more. 
Remember, our show is based on history, so your nominations should have passed away. If they're alive and kicking, they can be carotids. Yes. Send us your suggestions and recommendations. We just want to hear from you. And actually, we have a few announcements to make. Mm-hmm. So speaking of getting listeners to chime in, we also want to announce that we'll be adding a few new segments to our usual format. The first one is that during our typical full-length episodes, we'll be including a segment called the Agora. In Greek society, the Agora was the central meeting place of the city where news was shared. So we want to invite you listeners to share any exciting news that's happening in your lives so that we can share in the excitement and the wins with you. Yes. Please send us your news to our email at shebillspodcast at gmail.com. And while we're on the subject, let's visit the Agora for the first time. Well, this time we won't have to travel too far because we are going to shout out the very space that Norgity is recording from. She Space. She Space recently won the Houston Business Journal Landmark Award, making Norgity an award-winning designer. What an honor. First the award, now the very first visit to the Agora. But seriously, thank you. I feel really thankful to have been part of such an amazing project and team. Really, the award goes to the entire team. Women empowering each other. It's a great thing. Yeah, congrats. We're super proud of you. And this is such a great first visit to the Agora. Thank you, ladies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We want to keep sharing and celebrating our wins with all of you, but we also want to hear from you. So listeners, please send us your news, big or small. Yes, please. Yes. Our second announcement is that we're going to start recording more mini episodes. These will be called She Builds Charrettes. A charrette in architecture is a quick design competition. The word charrette in French translates to cart or chariot. And the competition is called that because there was a cart that would come around the studio at the end of the competition and you had to get your project on the cart before it left the studio. If not, you fail. Right. The idea is that these will be quick, short episodes for us to talk more about certain topics, make major announcements, conduct interviews. Basically, She Builds Charettes will be our playground for things outside of our typical format. Yeah, we have a lot of exciting things in store. You know, last season, in our season two wrap up, we had mentioned some of the awesome opportunities that we had being guests on some of our favorite shows. Hey, Catherine from Design Voice Podcast. Hey, girl. Hey, listeners, check out her show. It's really good, especially episode 49. (laughs) Yep. Um, We are also grateful that these opportunities keep presenting themselves as our show continues to grow. During this season, we have become panelists. Back in April, we were part of a panel hosted by Pratt University and moderated by our new friend, Belanley Williams Ollie. From She Builds Waves, hey Graciela, our fellow panelist. But also, coming up, we will be speaking to Gas Studio as a part of their Gas Vocalize series. This group is all the way in South Africa, y'all. But everyone's invited. We will be speaking on May 28th, so look out on our social media for details. So yeah, this Friday, for those who are listening to this episode on the week that it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about what we're looking forward to in season four. 
So for me, I'm excited about our theme, which I know we usually announce in the wrap up. So for season four, we'll be talking about educators and theorists. And I'm really excited to see who we discover and what topics of discussion they'll bring up. Yes, me too. I'm super excited to find theorists from around the world. Sounds like a fun challenge. I also think it's nice because this show is about education and we're going to talk about more educators. So I'm hoping this season will bring in more discussions on academia. We Mm. shall see. Yes. So if I'm being honest, I don't know what to expect for season four, but I know that I'm excited. But also, listeners, we are in the middle of researching ladies. So if you have any suggestions, we are all ears, i.e., I need ideas of who to talk about, karyotids and main ladies, and I'm just not prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Way to delegate your work to the listeners, Jessica. Yes, exactly. Hey, it's called crowdsourcing, okay? That's right. Crowdsourcing. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And I want to give the people what they want. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. Like we said, we want to hear from you. We also want to thank you for hearing us. Thank you so much for listening to us. Like we said on social media, our ultimate goal with She Builds Podcast is to inspire and encourage women to join and stay in this profession through the stories we tell. So thank you for listening. Please let us know what you thought of our episode and this season. If you enjoyed this season, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, give us five stars on iTunes, write us a review. And this will all help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We are excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com, leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter at shebuildspod. We're going on a short break while we develop season four, and we'll be back in August. This is a great time to tell your friends about this season, re-listen to your favorite episodes, and start conversations about everyone you heard about. So this is not goodbye, just to see you later. Until season four, hasta luego. Bye. Bye. Season four. Season four. That's something we're going to cut, maybe. I don't know. No, yeah, don't don't sure. add this in. I'm, I'm, this is just for you. This is not for... <laughs> Our ears only. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris. Owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. 
in drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively that <laughs> then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day, I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.